No Visible Scar. Richard Littledale is our guest this week at 40N to talk about his new booklet to help navigate unprocessed grief as we come out of this phase of the pandemic. There are thousands of people who feel that they have never had the opportunity to say goodbye properly to their loved ones. And No Visible Scar is Richard's new little booklet to help people navigate grief. Welcome to For The Now, Richard. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's really good to be here with you. Yeah, so likewise. And, you know, we've just not long had Easter and, um, you know, we're sort of heading out of lockdown um, again. So hopefully this time, you know, the government... Is hoping. Yeah, is hoping. The government's roadmap is, is actually going to you know, guide us out of this once and for all. Obviously, you know, along the way, we've all had loss of some kind, but, you know, those of us who've actually experienced a a loss, a bereavement, I mean, how tough is that? I think losing anybody is tough. You know, bereavement is a a massive scar on, you know, your very being, really. But I think it's been made so much harder by these particular circumstances, Ali. You know, because people have felt they haven't perhaps been able to say goodbye in the way they wanted to. Sometimes you've had someone where um, a husband or wife perhaps has been taken off to hospital in a haze of blue lights and, you know, barrier masks and what have you. And their loved one has literally never been able to see them again. Because you know, in the tightest days of the COVID restrictions, you couldn't have any hospital visits. No. And so they literally never set eyes on them again. And that's very, very hard. Then, of course, we went through the period of the uh, COVID funerals with huge restrictions placed upon them for very understandable reasons. But you had funerals where only 10 people were allowed to attend. Now, making those decisions about who makes the cut, you know, and who's allowed to come and who isn't has been tremendously hard for people. And so very often people put a lot of love and care and attention into planning a funeral because they want it to be just the way that Fred or John or Mary would have wanted. And they've not been able to do that. They've had something very simple, very restricted with tiny numbers. They've not been able to hug each other afterwards. And so what's happened is they've gone through all of that and now coming out the other side, there's a sense of loss all over again. And maybe even guilt, people feeling guilty that they didn't do it properly, although they didn't really have a choice. I mean, from first experience, obviously, you know, you you lost Fiona not in a, a global pandemic, but nevertheless, that doesn't make it any different. I mean, you know, you lost the love of your life. Um, and I mean, there's loads of different emotions that, that you kind of go through, don't you, on your grieving process? Yeah. I mean, is guilt a common theme anyway? Oh, yes. I think uh, almost everybody who's been bereaved will always think about the person they've lost. I could have said this. I could have done that. I could have been better at this, that or the other. And and on your better days, you know you're being unduly harsh on yourself. On your worst days, you kind of let those things get a grip of you. And that will be no different now. People will be saying those things to themselves, I think. Yeah, guilt does play a role I think in bereavement 
So, I mean, you know, to, to try and put this into perspective right now, I mean, the fact that, you know, people have lost people during this pandemic under, you know, extenuating circumstances where they haven't been able to be at their loved one's bedside or be there for the final thing. I mean, surely their emotions must be more than accentuated. I think they are. And there are a number of factors that are causing that situation you know some of it is isolation you know we've, we've not been allowed to go out and mingle so when you are left with your own company you have more time to dwell on all of that uh, you know when i was in the first few months of bereavement i would find every possible excuse to leave the house you know i might be shopping for something and i deliberately only buy half of it so that then i had to go out to the shops again to buy the other half because you know, frankly, the house was full of emptiness. That's not been possible for people. Uh, I think also one of the, the long-term effects of shielding, whether that's official medical shielding or simply the isolation we've all been through, mm. is that when we step outside the front door, we have a massive loss of self-confidence. Now, I had that. I'm a pretty confident person, but I had that when I was bereaved but I hadn't gone through the circumstances people are going through now. So I think we will have people who feel more lonely than they might have done with their bereavement, who feel more fearful than they might have done about returning to any kind of normality. And that's another factor too. You know, there's a, a resounding drumbeat, isn't there? That's getting louder about a return to normal and we all really want it. But if normal is a place where your person doesn't live anymore, you're not that keen to go to it. So, you know, whilst the, the drumbeat of society saying, let's get back to normal, if you've lost somebody during this pandemic, you're not absolutely convinced of that because you'll never have normal again. And so you find yourself slightly out of kilter with the people round about you. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I completely see what you're saying. Um, I mean, it's a, a very difficult situation, isn't it? I mean, the, the thing is, though, it's like anything, and, and this is what you're extremely good at. I mean, obviously, you've um, written other books and you wrote postcards from, from grief, isn't it? From the land of grief, yeah, that's from right. Land yeah. Of grief. yeah, postcards from the land of grief. So, I mean, it, it's about communicating with people that are going through this and, and keeping that dialogue open, isn't it, really? Yeah, Um yeah, I mean, in this latest little book I've written, it's partly to give people permission to say, I'm struggling with this. To give people permission to say, look, you know, this has been not just hard, but unbelievably hard. Uh, and I think, you know, another factor has been the numbers. I don't know about you, Ali, but I've never known any time in my life before this where I got used to hearing a death count on the news. You know, and you'd listen to whether it was 270 today or 1,000 today. What's that all about? But the trouble with those numbers is that the higher those numbers go up, the more your one person appears to disappear into it. You know, it seems to be just another number. Uh, and that, again, has been a sort of exacerbating factor for people, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can see that. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a really difficult situation. I mean, how do you see having been through grief yourself uh, and able to, to give people a first-hand advice? Um, how do you see this moving forward? I mean, you know, should there be more support 
groups? Should be there be? What, what do you think the answer? I, is? I think that's a possibility. I suppose the, the reason for talking to people like you, Ali, on platforms like this is so that even those who are not part of this become aware of it. Because you know, the more aware the rest of us are of what people are going through, the easier we're going to make it for them. You know, if we're aware quite how fragile people feel, then we're all going to be a little bit more cautious perhaps about we speak, how we speak to them or we're going to understand their reluctance to get involved in things or we're going to understand their loss of confidence when they might perhaps have been a bubbly person before all of this and now they're afraid of their own shadow. So I think, yes, there may be groups and, and certainly the, the bereavement support services are going to find themselves massively oversubscribed. But the more we can equip the rest of us to have these conversations, I say conversations, it's mainly listening. It's mainly saying, how are you? And then being prepared for the kind of you know, great wash of stuff that comes back at you and letting people talk, letting people talk. Yeah. It's important, isn't it? I mean, you, you've also written another book that is, is out this month um, and it's called No Scar. No Visible Scar. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that yeah. is, is a very sort of apt title, isn't it? Because, you know, you might look okay, um, but yeah. you might just sort of be trying to avoid... Your feelings, really? What might you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I called it that because I've always said that you know, bereavement is a deep wound with no visible scar. You know, so you feel completely different on the inside, but to everybody else, you you appear just the same. Um, so that that was the the reason for describing it in that way. Yeah, and of course, we've all been quite used to. Um, almost hiding from each other, haven't we, this past year? You know, we go out with a mask on, and, you know, you don't really see each other. Uh, and that will also make the gap wider between a person who is handling this invisible scar and those around about them. Because we, the, the psychological distance between all of us has changed. We are physically cautious around each other. We've not been able to read each other in the same way that we used to. I don't know about you, but the first few weeks of the first lockdown, I would go out with a mask on, smile at people and wonder why they didn't smile back. Well, of course they couldn't see that I was smiling, but I just didn't think of that. You know, and we've we've lost a lot of that visual language of communication, haven't we? We have lost that a lot of and and also I think body language as well. I mean, you know, we're we're sat here today chatting away on Zoom. And that as much as that is great and it's lovely to see you, you know, yes. you still can't, we can't still can't sort of, you know, we don't, we've lost that, that small element of communication as well is body language, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, th these are the kind of conversations we want to have face to face and that's not been possible for so many. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the church is opening back up again, isn't it, for people to come and that there yeah. is that. Um, I mean, do you see yourself also doing some more groups um, to help people with bereavement and grief? We may do, you know, or it may be that some of my kind of prior contacts in the world of bereavement 
you know want me to work with them on that i don't know the answer to that yet you know i have delivered training for instance for our local authority on our bereavement in the workplace uh, it may be that they're opening us to to do a little bit more around the particular issues connected with losing someone during this time of covid i've yet to find that out really uh, but i'm certainly willing to address that if it's helpful to people i think that that's a really good thing so your book is going to be available for anybody, isn't it, to, to download? It is, yeah. Read. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I write it as a Christian because that's who I am, but it's written in a way that it's accessible, really, whatever your faith background might be. So there are 12 short chapters. Each of those has either some spiritual advice or some practical advice on handling the particular topic it describes. It's a short book, it's about 50 pages. Um, I wanted it to be short, so it felt accessible. And it can be bought either singly, or it can be bought in multi-packed in it if there are you know, funeral directors, agencies who feel they'd like to have these to give away. And we wanted to make that accessible too. Yeah, no, I, again, you know, I think it, it's brilliant that you've done that, Richard, because, you know, it, it's your first hand experience, isn't it, that, that's enabled to you to, impart knowledge and wisdom i suppose really going through this because it's trying to navigate it isn't it yeah you know and if every bereavement is different you know e even two people who are missing the same person will miss them differently I, I do get that but yes i suppose i've got a doorway into all of this through my own bereavement but i've tried to be very honest in the book in saying you know I haven't gone through exactly what you have gone through, but I will talk from an experience that I've had. Uh, because you, you never want to speak, as it were, on people's behalf. Say, this is what you must be feeling, because you might be wrong. But I think to speak honestly from out of my own experience and then to look at the um, extra factors that are in play right now has been the driving force behind the book. Thank you for, for telling us about this today. I mean, I think it's, um, as I said, a, a really, really good thing that you have written this book. Just It just gives a basic navigation, doesn't it, of, you know, all the different... Yeah, and, and thank you, Ali, for being happy to talk about the more awkward subjects. You know, there's such a place for that. Um, you know, we, we need to have places where these things can be aired because it takes some of the fear away from them. No, absolutely no problem at all. I mean, I, I think it, it's something that should be spoken about, you know, as I said to you before, if there's anything that I can ever do to to help, um, you know, because, you know, I'm the sort of person, as you've probably gathered by now, Richard, that, you know, it's, I, I like to talk a lot. <laughs> Are you doing it so well? <laughs> <laughs> so, um and I, I believe I'm a great believer in talking because I think, if, you know, when you're going through anything in life, if you can talk about it, then yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it validates your own feelings, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not always, I mean, you can kind of highlight that better than I can. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's good to talk to family and friends when you're going through a bereavement, but... I mean, did you have a bereavement counsellor? No, not really. Um, not, not that I couldn't have had, but that wasn't the way I sort of chose to handle it, I suppose. Um, 
mean, my uh, Sue Ryder nurse who cared for Fiona in the last days of her life actually made two post bereavement visits to me and they were massively, massively helpful. Um, I suppose that's as close as I got to bereavement counselling. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's something, isn't it, to sort of um, yeah. anchor, you know, as, as you said, I, I, I imagine, well, I, obviously I've been through bereavement as well, but, yeah. you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's good to talk to the family and wider circle, but also everybody's going through their own thing. So sometimes um, it, you know, it can be useful, can't it, to have an outside person involved really who's not yeah. affected by it and is more sort of personalized if that makes sense mm. yeah and i think also the advantage um of a book that someone can take away and read you're not forcing them to agree with it you know they can go away and they can digest it you know so someone who's going through this can give somebody one of these and say look some of that is how i'm feeling <laughs> but i can't I'll face explaining it to you right now and then it gives that opportunity to do increase the understanding without having a conversation that may actually be too costly for them right now. Right. So where can they find this book then, Richard? Uh, it's am I allowed to say the name of E. Taylor's? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's available on Amazon or you can buy it directly from the publisher, which is Authentic Media. So either of those and in both those places, you can buy it either as single copies or as multi-packs. Lovely. Thanks. Well, you take care now and um, lovely Hello. to see you as usual. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, as I said, you know, anybody listening, I think it, it's a really good idea to go and get a copy um, just because, you know, that there'll be something that they can relate to in there. This is a For The Now Media production.